0: It's Krista Bontrager, and I'm your tour guide this year as we go through the Bible as part of the Route 66 campaign for Grace Church of Glendora. This is the Points of Interest podcast where we preview this week's reading and get you ready to get into the Word of God. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome to week nine of our journey through the Bible. We're going to start out in Numbers chapter 33, and then we're going to end the week in Deuteronomy chapter 13. So we'll be finishing up the book of Numbers this week and getting a start on the book of Deuteronomy. So let's start it out in Numbers chapter 33. This is an interesting survey of all of the places that Israel has camped on their journey from the time they left Egypt until the time of the book of numbers. And if you were to count all these, you would notice that there were 40 stops. Now, Scholars think that there could possibly be actually more stops than 40. This may not be an exhaustive list, maybe kind of a stylized list of the highlights to get to the number 40, because the number 40 had certain significance to the Israelites. But what is interesting is that some of these places are known places and others are not. Um, for example, when we see that the Israelites left Ramesses and camped at Succoth in verse 5. Those are real cities that we know about and actually have archaeological excavations going on. But many of these encampments were just places that they stopped. They're like little watering holes and, and no archaeological work has been done there. As you look through this list of places, you, you might want to have a, a map nearby that you can see if you can find any of these on a map. Then we get to chapter 34 and they're going to begin to uh, map out the boundaries of Canaan because they're, they're kind of positioning themselves to get ready to go into the land. So they're dividing up the land according to tribes. And then we get to chapter 35 and we're going to be talking about towns for the Levites to live in because they won't have land when they go into Canaan and because they don't it's part of their priestly duties. They're, they don't have a specific tribal land. And so certain towns are then designated for the Levites to live in. But then we have this interesting passage in chapter 35 about the cities of refuge. And this is an important provision that God has made to try to counteract the common tribal practice of blood feuds. God graciously gives a mechanism For someone who's committed a capital offense, they can flee to a city of refuge and whoever belongs to the clan of the murdered victim cannot go into the city of refuge and kill the murderer. The murderer will have sanctuary there until proper arrangements can be made for some kind of civil action, civil trial or something where there's a decision about what his fate may be. And then finally, we get to the end of the book of Numbers, and we have this very curious chapter, chapter 36, about inheritances. And this is basically a little tiny discussion about what to do with land inheritances that goes to women. When women inherit the land of their father, what happens to that land if they were to marry outside of their clan or their tribe and would that land then be lost to that tribe what i think is interesting is we've we've read so much about the disobedience in the last several chapters of the israelites in the book of numbers but when we get to chapter 36 the very last chapter in verse 10 it says so zelophehad daughters did as the Lord commanded Moses. Such a nice little summary here of these godly women in the midst of all of this disobedient chaos. These women obeyed the Lord's command. Nice way to just wrap up the book on a positive note. Now we're going to get into the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is kind of a funny word. But it comes from a mistranslation, actually, from the Greek Septuagint, where it said that it was a copy of the law or a repetition of the law. That's basically what Deuteronomy is, though. It's a restatement of the Mosaic law for the second generation. The Israelites have been out in the wilderness, wandering around for almost 40 years. There's a second generation now that's come along. And so Deuteronomy is really a restatement or a retelling of the Mosaic law that we had in the books of Exodus and Leviticus. Now, the first four chapters of Deuteronomy are basically like a historical prologue. They're setting the stage historically. They're telling us where the Israelites are and what's happened and that the spies were sent out and that there was rebellion. So it's a little bit of a recap um, for the second generation of how we got here. How is it that we came out to be in the wilderness and wandering around and, and everything? So it's just a little bit of a historical summary. And then toward the end of chapter 4, starting at verse 44, we have a switch. Now we're getting into a restatement of the law. So we're leaving the history lesson behind, and now we're getting into the law. And we're going to have a recap of the law. So it starts off with the Ten Commandments again, the most foundational parts of it. But what's interesting here is that the theme is largely one of restating the point over and over again that your allegiance is to the Lord and to the Lord alone. You should love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength because he's the one that has saved you. And then when we get to chapter seven, then there's kind of a challenge that the Lord gives the Israelites. If you love me, if you really love me with your whole heart, you will drive out the nations from the promised land. This was the great sin of the previous generation. They wouldn't drive out the nations out of the promised land. They were too afraid. They didn't trust the Lord enough. So now the Lord's challenging this second generation. If you really love me with your whole heart, you will take action and you will trust me to give you victory and you will drive out these nations out of the land that I will give you. When we get to chapter 12, we're going to have a restatement of the ceremonial law, where they're allowed to worship, where they're allowed to offer sacrifices, what kinds of sacrifices. All of those provisions that were in the Mosaic law are now being summarized here. What's interesting to me, and this is something that is quite honestly challenging to us as 21st century Christians, we are so privileged To live in an age of God's people where there is more flexibility about where we worship. In John chapter 4, if you remember Jesus' dialogue with the Samaritan woman, it focused around the question, where is the appropriate place for God's people to worship? The Samaritan woman points out, you Jews say it's in Jerusalem in the temple. We Samaritans say it's up on Mount Gerizim where we have our temple. But Jesus cuts to the heart of the matter and he says, there is a day that is coming that you will worship neither in Jerusalem nor on Mount Gerasim. You will worship me in spirit and in truth. This is a shift in the location of where God's people are allowed to worship. No longer will God's address be one physical geographical location on the earth. It will be wherever God's people dwell. Wherever there are God's people indwelled by the empowering of the Holy Spirit, that's where God can be worshiped. But what's interesting is back here in Deuteronomy, there's very strict rules for where God's people can worship. They must offer certain kinds of sacrifices in the tabernacle and only in the tabernacle, only in the place that God has designated as being holy and fitting for sacrifices. But that's a difference between the Mosaic Covenant and the New Covenant. Just a little preview there of looking forward to the ministry of Christ and some types and shadows of what we're seeing here in Deuteronomy of that future ministry of Christ. And then finally, we're going to end our week in chapter 13 of the book of Deuteronomy. And this is another reiteration of God's call to loyalty, to worship him only, and to leave behind other gods. Just one note of application. I find it interesting in the first part of the chapter that Moses says, If a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a miraculous sign or a wonder, and if that sign or wonder of which he has spoken takes place, and he says, let us follow other gods, gods you have not known, and let us worship them, you must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. This is fascinating. This is one of the many places in Scripture where God calls his people to test and discern the supernatural. We should not be a people who just see a miracle and automatically call it the power of God. And apparently, even the magicians of Pharaoh in Egypt were able to replicate, at least in some aspect... The first few plagues that Moses performed, but these miracles have the appearance of being supernatural and God's call for his people is to be careful and discerning. Do not automatically think that someone who performs a miracle is from God. You have to test what the miracle is coming from. Well, how do you do that? you look at the message. What is the message that comes behind it? So the modern day application of this might be that if you see somebody perform a sign or a wonder, but they're giving us a message about Jesus that isn't compatible with what we know to be true about him, then we should reject that sign or wonder as well as the message. For example, in the book of First John chapter four, This is very important because there are entire religions that we are living next door to today that deny that God came in the flesh, that Jesus is God's son, and that Jesus is God. If those religions claim miracles, which many of them do, we should disregard their message because of what they say about Jesus. The New Testament teaching is clear. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus died and rose again for our sins. Any miracles and any religion that claims miracles that denies that message is a religion that we should deny. It was the same for the Israelites as it is for us today. God is calling his people into a time of... Of testing he wants us to test the spirits to test messages and to test miracles and these are things that we have to impress upon our children we need to have those conversations with our children about other religions and what those differences are it's not just a matter of a difference about how they dress or how they behave or or the way that they act it's a difference of their message what is their message about Jesus Christ that's what it all comes down to well, next week, we're going to wrap up the Pentateuch. And remember, the Pentateuch is just a shorthand way to to refer to the first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses or the book of Moses, as it's called throughout Scripture. And then we'll be moving into a new section, the historical books, the books of Joshua and Judges. Very glorious time in Israel's history and also a time of deep Depravity and very politically troubling. So, we'll have that to look forward to as spring is upon us. I'm really glad to be going on this journey with you. I hope you're taking some time along the way to stop and just look at the view. I know it's hard, I know it's a lot of reading, but take a few minutes to jot some notes in your journal as you're going through. Again, even if you just write down one sentence a day or one verse of that really stood out to you. By the end, you're going to have a nice little travel log, a little travel journal of the sites that you saw along the way. I also hope that you're taking some time to be in your small groups and discuss all of these great insights that Pastor John is bringing us on Sundays, giving us the highlights of the tour. I hope that you're taking some time to break that down and really begin to apply that to your lives. What an exciting opportunity we have to live in a country where we are free to study the Bible, to get together and discuss the Bible as the body of Christ that we can fellowship as the body of Christ, all empowered by the Holy Spirit, no matter where we're from, no matter what our background is, that we can get together, worship God, and worship God through his word. What an awesome opportunity. What a great time to live. I'm so glad to be part of this journey with you. I look forward to next week as we finish out the book of Deuteronomy. We'll see you then.